0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at MyPromiseChurch. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at MyPromiseChurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. Enjoy. I don't know if I've developed it this way, but a lot of the things God does, it doesn't have anything to do with you, if I can put it bluntly. It has a whole lot to do with Him. He's a great king. He's a great father. And and even when I'm not a great son, He's a great father. Oh, hallelujah! Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a good king. Oh, we have a good king today. We celebrate a good father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It feels good to be in the house today. I'm so glad that you're with us. I want to say thank you as always to this worship team leading us with anointing. I want to say thank you. Because you know what? Sometimes uh, my pastor growing up said a lot of times the worship leaders on the front row. And I saw a lot of folks worship leading on the front row today. So I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to to say quickly, stand with me if you're able to. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 2. I am in the book of Acts this month. We started a series last week called Let the Church, and um, last week I preached Let the Church Pray, um, and uh, this week I want to preach Let the Church Gather. I want to go to Acts chapter 2. If you're turning there, take your time, because I want to tell you something else. If you're still grabbing a seat or whatever and getting settled, God bless you. Um, I wanted to tell you this weekend, I know that Conrad did it. Conrad, where are you at? Conrad uh, did it in the... um, did it in the announcement video, but um, sometimes I'm still on the porch, and I know some of y'all are too, uh, while that announcement video is going on. I want to emphasize something that's going to be very exciting. It's one of the bigger things that we're doing in uh, this side of the calendar, and that is our Promise Kids weekend. Everybody say, Promise Kids. Everybody say, this weekend. Now, this is going to be an exciting thing, because it's, it's really a a revival, a series of services for our children. It's going to happen in the Life Center on Friday night, on Saturday morning, and then on Sunday morning, while we're having church, they're going to have their thing as well. And God has really been blessing our kids' ministry and all of the kids over there and all of the kids... uh, Uh, teachers and and kids' church volunteers and things, and we're going to do a a revival weekend with a ministry couple that specializes in kids' ministry. That's what they do full-time. They travel, and they uh, minister at churches with uh, kids' weekends and kids' conferences and kids' camps and all that kind of good stuff, and so they're going to be with us next weekend, really, this Friday night, Saturday morning, and then Sunday morning while we're in here. They're going to be over there. And here's what I'm asking you to do. If you have children or you have grandchildren... Make sure you clear your calendar. Get everything off of the calendar. Move something around. This, is, uh, this has been on the church calendar for a couple months. So, so move everything aside. Get their, your kids there. And here's the thing. I know sometimes as parents, I've got two, uh, mine are seven, my boys are seven and nine. And I know sometimes it's like, oh, there's something at church. They're going to be playing with water balloons or whatever. We're going to drop them off and then gives me and the wife a chance to go to Chili's or whatever. I'm going to ask you, <laughs> I'm going to ask you, stay, stay. Because because what we're doing is, th- this is, this is not water balloons, this is not, I don't know, they might have water balloons and stuff planned Saturday morning. I wasn't involved in all the planning. But Friday night, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, they're going to have church on their level. They're going to learn about Jesus on their level. They're going to worship on their level, and they're going to even have an altar call, respond to the word on their level. And I'm believing that our children are going to come to salvation, going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But what I'm asking... That's good. That's good. That's good. Let faith rise. What I'm asking is, you as parents help set that atmosphere. We've asked. We've we've uh, we've put our some of our ministry teams in place. Of course, our kids' church ministry, first and foremost. They're going to be in there, and and even though they're not on the stage teaching, they're going to be in the audience worshiping. They're going to be in the altar praying with the children. And we're asking the parents to do the same thing. We've asked our our prayer team to come in and and to be a part of that as well and to uh, just set an atmosphere of worship. How many know the atmosphere is everything? Atmosphere is everything. And so I'm going to ask you as parents to, to be a part of that. Uh, grandkids, whatever it is, aunts, uncles, whatever, uh, be a part of that. I know that our teams are going to be there as well. How many would help me out with that? How many help me out with that? So I think it will be a blessing. I'm excited about what God's going to do with our kids. One of the bigger things we're doing on this side of the calendar. Life groups are in full swing. A lot of stuff happening. We're in this Let the Church um uh, series, and I want to go quickly because I got you standing. Here it is, and I love this passage. If you would, read it with me with some oomph because I need it, and I love this verse right here. Read it with me. If I drop out, y'all keep going. They worship together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God. I love it right there. I love that. It's a It's really kind of a wrap-up passage there to everything that happened on the day of Pentecost. They gathered for that prayer meeting in the upper room. They spilled out into the streets. And the passage here tells us that what they continued to do was they worshiped together at the temple every day. They met together in their houses for the Lord's supper. They shared meals with great joy. Somebody say amen about that. We are we we like to do that, right? That's the easy one. So so if y'all if y'all find somebody after church to go out to eat with, you are in the will of God. Go to a buffet. You know, do something. I don't know. Eat healthy. I don't care, but just go eat. Uh, I'm gonna put one more verse on here. Psalm 84 and 10. Better is one day. You believe that? Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. That means better is one day in this house than on the beach. Better is one day than anywhere else. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Say hello to somebody. God bless you. You can be seated today. Say hello to somebody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I uh, I've been uh, last week. I um, I preached. Uh, I started this series, and it's been in my heart. I think that um, everything that we've been through as a, a country, a world, our world, even as the church has been through over the last year and a half, I think some foundational things need to, in a sense, be revisited and reestablished, and so. I wanted to just preach a message series over about three or four weeks about the church, what we would call ecclesiology or study of the church. A lot of people are asking questions about the church, and and I think that there's just a time to reestablish some things. I love that Jesus said, as I said before, so now I say again. Because when Jesus did that, he gave all preachers everywhere the, uh, uh, the right to repeat themselves sometimes, right? Hey, we've established this before, but let's establish it again. Hey, we talked about this before, but let's talk about it again. And how many know it's good to revisit some things sometimes? Sometimes it's good to get back to some basics and revisit some things. You know, so I, I wanted to do that with the church, and, and, and last week I, I said, let the church pray, and it's a foundational thing of what we do in this, in this place, that, that it is a place of prayer. When Jesus had the opportunity to define his house, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So his house, what is it? He didn't say my house is a place where you uh, come and drink coffee, although we got coffee. It's especially for the nine folks, not y'all. Y'all are supposed to already be woke up. But as, no. <laughs> he didn't say my house will be a house of coffee. He didn't say my house will be a house of, of anything else. He said my house, although those other things are great, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So we established that. But a lot of people are asking questions, who are we? Uh, who is the church? What does the church do? Uh, what has God called the church uh, to do? Who is He called the church to be? And, and even people are asking their, this question in their life right now, you know, is the church an essential part of my life? Is the church something I need to get back to? So many people fell out of the habit of being in church on Sunday over the last year and a half, and people are asking that question, is the church essential? Is the church something that needs to be a part of my life? And we've been asking that question for the last year and a half, what kind of things are essential? I remember we were asking that question, is is McDonald's essential? Is Walmart essential? Is uh, Amazon essential? No, don't Too many amens on that one. Uh, y'all love Amazon Prime, I see. Uh, we've been asking, what is essential? And, 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 and in parts of our world, McDonald's was open and the church was closed. In parts of our world, Walmart was open and the church was closed. In parts of our world, Amazon was uninterrupted, but the church absolutely was disrupted. And people are asking the question, is church essential? And my answer to that is it was essential enough for Jesus, the son of the living God, to spill his blood and die to purchase the church. Now, he didn't die to buy brick and mortar or stucco, but he died to buy the salvation of you and me and for the church to gather together in His name. I told the first church, uh, first service, that uh, you know I, I, I love to preach milk and, and get everybody excited. I love that, and, and I think even Paul loved to, to give milk. But he said I'd rather give you meat today. He says you're not ready for meat. You're still babies. You're still on you're still on milk. But I just feel like the church is ready for meat because. I don't know about you, but if you said, hey, let's go for a milkshake or let's go for a New York strip steak. Every single time, I'm going for the New York strip steak. I'd rather have meat. That's just me. That's just me. So uh, it might be a little meaty today, but I think it'll be a blessing to you because I like New York strip better than milkshakes. Uh, (laughs) But let me get back to it. I, I don't think Jesus died for McDonald's. Jesus didn't die for Walmart to be open. He didn't die for Amazon to stay open. And, and I like McDonald's. I really do like McDonald's, but I ain't dying for McDonald's. I'm not dying for Walmart. And his life is worth more than my life. His blood was worth way more than my blood. And Jesus died not to purchase McDonald's, not to purchase Walmart, but Jesus died to purchase the church. And if Jesus thought the church was valuable enough to die for, I'll just tell you, it's good enough for me to live for. It's good enough for me to stand for. It's good enough for me to give my life for. If Jesus died for the church... Oh, somebody help me preach today. If Jesus died for the church, I ought to be able to live for it. I ought to be able to live for it. You know, Jesus is a church builder. And if you want to build the church, pick up a hammer, pick up a trowel, and get right next to Jesus. Because Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 18, I will build my church. So if you want to be on the side of Jesus, build the church. If you want to know if Jesus was here in the flesh, what he would be doing, he'd be building the church. If you want to do what Jesus would be doing, build the church. I, I don't want to. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I just got to brag on the church a little bit today. Is that all right? They're not even in here. They're not even in here. They were in the first service. There's a young couple in the church. I, Do I see was Ruby in here? Ruby next door and the kids. Ruby's daughter is nine months pregnant. Her husband and her were in the booth in the first service. I'm telling you, she's about to have the baby, but she's building the church. Because somebody needed to put words on the screen. And I just, I saw them coming in today and I and I knew that the baby was near. And I just thought, God bless them. Because if they don't, if they came to the house of God, I don't have any excuse not to come today. Because I ain't nine months pregnant. I'm not nine months pregnant. I'll leave that one alone. (laughs) Get myself in trouble. Okay, the church is, I want to tell you, the church is not a building, but it is a gathering. So it's not the stucco or the brick, but it is the gathering. So the church is not a building, but it absolutely is the gathering. It is the gathering of God's people. How do you know that? Well, Jesus defined the church, defined his house by saying, my house is a house of prayer. But that Greek word church means ecclesia. Ecclesia in the Greek is literally a gathering. That's what it is, a gathering. So what the church is, is a gathering of God's people. Maybe somebody said, I thought the church was a building with a steeple. no. If the church was gathering under a tent, the tent would be a church. If the church was gathering in a temple, the temple would be a church. If the church was gathering in a parking lot, the parking lot would be a church because the church is not a building, but the church is a gathering of God's people. That's what the church is. And so the church is a gathering of God's people called out from their homes, Called out from their workplaces, called out from their villages, called out from their neighborhoods to gather in what the Old Testament called a tent of meeting. It was the tabernacle. That's what the tabernacle meant, is it was a tent of meeting. It was a tent of congregating. And of course, you know, at one point, David got all riled up and said, Lord, I'm just the king of Israel. You're the king of kings. And it's not right that I live in a palace And God, you live in a tent, let me build a house for you to dwell in. And God said, David, it's not for you to do, but I'll put that calling on your son. And David gave all of his wealth and all of his inheritance earmarked to build the house of God because he wanted God to have a dwelling place and a place for God's people to gather together. And so I'll just tell you, either it was a tent or a temple, if God's people gathered there, it was the church. Whether it was a tent or a temple, if God's people gathered there, it was a holy place. I remember a, a year ago, we were doing three services, two in here, one in the afternoon outside during COVID and everything was crazy. And we were doing an outside service. And, and was, was this more holy than the parking lot was? If the church somehow's address was 562 or 565, would that be any less holy than 561? It's a holy place when God's people gather together because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them and that I inhabit the praises of my people So when God's people gather together, God is there. And wherever God is, it's a holy place. That's why Jacob woke up and said, surely the presence of the Lord is right here. Now, it's it's a place of meeting. It's a place where we meet God, but we also meet God's people. And so the plan of God was that six days we work, we go about our business, but one day we come together to worship Him with God's people. And so one day a week we're called away from our duties, called away from our chores, Called away from our, our our leisures, called away from our recreation, called away from our uh, landscaping our, our backyard, or called away uh, from from barbecuing Abraham, or called away from. Or you can be having the smoker go while you're here, right? I don't. There you go. <laughs> But we're called away from our leisure, called away from our recreation. You can be called away from your laptop, called away from your cell phone, called away from your hammer, called away from whatever your work is and gathered together with God's people in God's house. And I'll tell you, that's not a have to, that's a get to. I think sometimes we look at it and we say, I've got to mow the grass, check. I've got to pay the light bill, check. I've got to get the kids to school, check. I've got to pick up dry clean, check. I've got to do this, check. And I've got to go to church, check. (laughs) But it ought to be a get-to. I don't know about you, but I'll get to turn my phone off for a couple hours. (laughs) I get to get away from my computer for a few hours. I get to get away from my work or my labor. I get to get away from my stresses or all this other stuff. And people don't recognize sometimes how the Sabbath is a blessing to every part of your life. I, I, uh, I, I brag on the church again, but I love that we have... Elders in our church. When I say elders, I don't mean anything about their age. But we have board members and ministry leaders that will get up here and lead in giving. And I love that that you were saying today, Sister Mappus, that you know that uh, that 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 is a blessing. What were you saying? I forget what I was saying there. So I got to stay on my notes here today. This message has been in my spirit. It's a different message than I normally preach. It's just in my heart. But what I was going to say is the Sabbath is a blessing to every part of our life because on the Sabbath, I get an opportunity to just unwind and unplug and recharge. And my mind is free from all the stresses of Monday through Friday. And and Monday, my mind is refreshed. and, And Monday, my body is refreshed. But even more importantly, on Monday, my spirit, my soul is refreshed. David said, Lord, restoreth my soul because my soul is weary. And when your soul is weary, sleeping in won't help you. But being in the presence of God is what restoreth my soul. Going to the beach don't restore my soul. It's the presence of God that restores my soul. And so, so I, I, uh, I want to say with the book of Acts here, because we commonly say the book of Acts, but it's the actions of the apostles, the acts of the apostles, the activities of the apostles. And, and I always tell young Christians, you know, read the Gospels, read the book of Acts, because it's, it's, it's a great snapshot of what we're supposed to be. Because you, you see in the book of Acts, it's a template, it's a pattern. The book of Acts prayed and this happened. The early church fasted and this happened. The early church had a revival and this happened. The early church went on a missionary journey and this happened. The early church prayed for the Holy Spirit and, and, and it's, a, it's a template, it's a pattern. And if it's a template and if it's a pattern, I want to look back at Acts 2, 46 and 47 and just show you that that gathering was connected to salvation. It said they worshiped together at the temple every day, said they met in homes. That sounds a lot like our life group ministry. So they came to the church. They came to the house of God, but they also met in homes. They ate together. They had great joy. They had great generosity. All the while they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And catch it now, every day, each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved i got to tell you today that the gathering was instrumental. It was connected to the salvation. The gathering was the root to the fruit. Without the gathering, you don't have the salvation. Just like without the root, you'll never have the fruit. And just like we preached last week, and, and, and if you weren't here for it or whatever, catch the podcast, catch up, because I want you to be on the same page as, us as we go through uh, this month. But if they, I said last week that if they didn't have prayer, the book of Acts wouldn't have happened. Now that's a strong statement, but I think I can back it up by saying that as Jesus was passing the baton off to the disciples, he said, go and pray in the upper room for, for, for as long as it takes for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Now, if they had disobeyed and not prayed, do we have the book of Acts? I don't think so. And I'll tell you that without gathering, those things don't happen. Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, y'all go, everybody that's here, y'all go to the prayer room and stay until you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and gather together and don't leave until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus had ascended into heaven and Peter and John got off to the side and said, you know what, John, I'm a little tired. I'm going I'm to go home. I'm, I'll be praying at home. <laughs> y- y'all go to the prayer. I'll pray at home. I'll be in my prayer closet if you need me. Come on, don't be super spiritual on me here. <laughs> I'll be in my prayer closet if you need me. And if Jonathan said, yeah, you know what, Peter, i got to mow my grass. I'm going to go home, mow the grass, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be praying. I- I'll be praying. I'll be praying with y'all. And then it just starts to break down and nobody goes to the prayer room. When Nobody gathers together. We don't have Acts chapter 2 because it ends in Acts chapter 1. And if we don't have the gathering of Acts chapter 2, we don't have the gathering of Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John were going to the temple for the hour of prayer. Now if Peter had texted John in the morning and said, John... The Lord knows my heart. I'd like to be there, but I just need to sleep in a little bit. God knows my heart that I stayed up too late binging Netflix. God knows I need some sleep right now, but, but I'm, I'm with you in spirit. Then Acts 3 don't happen because they were going into the temple at the hour of prayer. And John wasn't FaceTiming Peter with prayer, and Peter wasn't FaceTiming the lame man by saying, grabbing him by the hand, it said. And the Bible said as he gripped his hand, that immediately the power of the Holy Ghost went from his hand through his arm all the way down to his ankle bones. And he began to leap and magnify and praise God because they were gathered together at the temple, at the house of God. If they slept in, it don't happen. If they slept in, Acts 2 don't happen, Acts 3 don't happen, and Acts 4 don't happen. Because the man was leaping and praising God, and everybody said, we've known this guy's been lame for a long time, and they said Jesus over him, and now he's jumping and praising God, saying Jesus healed him. We thought we crucified Jesus. How are they saying the name of Jesus, and the same power is on them? They said, we got to arrest them like we did Jesus. So they arrest Peter and John. They're beaten within an inch of their life. They're put in prison. They go before a tribunal. And Peter says, you know what? I'd rather obey God than obey man. And I'm not going to stop preaching Jesus. I can't stop telling folks what I saw and what I heard. They come out of jail. They receive the baptism. Another outpouring of boldness and power of the Holy Spirit. But Acts 4 don't happen. If Acts 3 don't happen. If Acts 2 don't happen. If Acts 1 don't happen. God's people had to gather. Do you got one more in you? Acts 8. Philip goes to Samaria. Samaria. And he's like, well, you know what? If God can baptize the Jews in the Holy Spirit, maybe half Jews can receive the Holy Spirit. And he goes and preaches to the Sumerians. And they're receiving joy, and the traction of revival is happening. And he calls Peter and John. He says, Peter and John, I'm having revival over here. Would you come and pray with me that these folks will receive the Holy Ghost just like we did in Jerusalem? And if Peter and John had said, Hey, we're sending an offering, brother. God be with you. God bless you. But we're just going to stay over here. Then they wouldn't have had Acts 8. But Acts 8 said, Peter and John go over to Samaria. They bring faith. They bring the word. They bring the anointing. They bring the power of the Holy Spirit. They lay hands on folks. And there's revival. There's salvation of the Samarians the same way it happened with them. And I'll tell you, the whole book of Acts opened in Acts chapter 8, in reality, because they realized this isn't just for the Abraham's covenant. This is for the Samaritans. And then Peter realized if it's for the Samaritans, maybe it's for the Italians. And he goes and he preaches to Cornelius, and his whole family is baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit before Peter can close the book. And it opened up what God was doing. I'll tell you, if you don't have Acts 1, you don't have 2, you don't have 3, you don't have 4, you don't have 8, you don't have 10, and you don't have 19. It's all connected to God's people gathering. So we are, I want to say we are the people of God. i got to get myself under control or I won't get through this. We are the people of God. We are a part of the church. But understand, we become the church when we gather. When you're out at target by yourself, you are a part, you are a part of the church. But when we come together, we are the church. We are the church. We are the church. And I like to say that the church is God's plan A, and he doesn't have a plan B. I've read the New Testament and it's not like, hey, if the church fails, I got this other plan for y'all. If you've seen that, no, I didn't see it. It's his only plan. The church is his only plan. And, and so if it's a gathering and it's a congregating, this is designed by God to be a meeting place with God and God's people for preaching, worship, community, salvation, serving, miracles, healing, giving, encouragement, blessing, and favor, and it all happens in God's house, and that is His plan A, and there is not a plan B. You know, I, I was thinking about it as I was putting this message together. I'm getting older, and I realized that for about 20 years... I've been trying to build God's church. I haven't been a pastor for 20 years. I've been a pastor for nine. But it was about 20 years ago that I had a conversation with, at the time was my youth pastor, and I just said, you know, I just feel like God's calling me to more. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that is. But I just feel God's tug on my, on my heart. And I just, I, I just can't just sit by anymore. I want to do more. And I remember him saying, you know what? We got youth service. We got to set the chairs out. Why don't you come early and set the chairs out? Okay, sure. I came, set the chairs out. I remember uh, I started running the sound in that little, that little service. And don't tell Christian that in the booth because I don't want to run sound. Christian, you do great. And when I was running sound, it was like plugs and knobs, and that thing's like a computer back there. So it's a whole new deal now. But I, 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 I want to be a church builder. I don't want to be a church cynic. I don't want to be a church hater. I don't want to be a church critic. I've been born and raised in church, and and I want to be on the side of what Jesus is doing. I want to be on the same side as what Jesus is doing. Uh, Jesus said, uh, let me see Matthew 16 and 18 again, Carlins. He said, I will build my church. He said, on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates... I don't know what version this is. I wish I had done the King James version because the King James version rhymes here. He says, The gates of hell shall not prevail. So he says, Jesus says, I'm building my church. And I just say it, the gates of hell will not prevail. Because the King James kind of rhymes there. The gates of hell will not prevail. I should have done the King James. Can you change that on the fly, Carlins? I don't know. I just want to see the gates of hell shall not prevail. But, but I, I just thought of it this way. If you're a church critic, you're on the side of hell. If you're a church builder, you're on the side. Of, there you go. <laughs> Great job, Carlins. If, if you're on the if you're a church critic and a church hater and a church cynic and you find everything wrong with the church you're on the side of hell but if you're building the church you're on the side of Jesus I want to be a, on the side of Jesus that's why David said I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than anything else anywhere else I'd rather be on his side than anything else i, I uh He said, better is one day in your courts. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than anything else. And I I thought about it this way. I'd rather be a chef than a food critic. I'll be be honest. Can I just be real here? The first service let me be real right here. I, I, I don't like food critics. You got some poor guy that cooked this fried chicken dinner. And then the food critic comes and says there's too much paprika in it. excuse me, somebody went out and wrung that chicken's neck, defeathered the thing, butchered it, quartered it, dried it out, rinsed it off in water, trimmed the fat or whatever you do there. He got the oil hot. He got the breadcrumbs. He got the milk. He got the egg yolk. He got the the chili powder and the paprika and the salt and the pepper and the colonel's secret ingredients and he fired that oil up real hot and then he drops the chicken in there and he dips it in all the milk and the egg and the flour and all that and he cooks it and he gives it to you and you say there's too much paprika. I'd rather be a chef than a food critic. I'd rather be the movie maker than the movie critic. I'd rather be the quarterback than the Monday morning quarterback. I don't like those sports analysts that look at the film for 12 hours, and then Monday morning they say, you know what? You should have ran this way and thrown to that guy. He had 300-pound linemen running him down and tackling him. Of course you can criticize it. And I just tell you, you could criticize the church if you want. Because we're imperfect people. We're flawed people. We need the goodness of God. We need the grace and mercy of God. I'm imperfect. You're imperfect. But God is perfect. And when we come together and praise Him, we're better together. Oh, somebody ought to praise God right there. If the church was full of perfect people, I wouldn't be here. And I don't know if you would either. I thought about it this way. Jesus is coming back for a bride without even a wrinkle in her dress. And without a spot. And without a blemish. I don't want Jesus to come back and say, you gave my bride a black eye. You pointed out the wrinkle in her dress. You pointed out the spot on her dress. I want to be a part of what makes the bride beautiful. Beautiful. I want to be what makes the bride beautiful. I want somebody to come in here and say, my goodness, those folks were nice. My goodness, I had 10 folks shake my hand. My goodness, she sang with anointing. My goodness, that guy on the drums was killing it. My goodness, that church loves people. My goodness, that church is generous. My goodness, that church has joy. I want to be a part of what makes the bride beautiful. I want to be a part of what makes the bride beautiful. i got to move quickly into my notes here. First point is, I won't preach too long. First point is, gather because God's house is my home. I want you to get that in your spirit today. God's house is your home. It's your home. This is your home. I joke with people that I haven't seen for a few weeks. I say, I wrote your name on that chair. Nobody else can sit there till you come back. Because <laughs> I want them to know this is their home. I want them to know they have a chair here. I want them to know they have a place at the table. It said in Acts 2.46, they worship together at the temple each day. Now, we don't hold a church service here every day, but with all of our ministries and life groups and kids' things and youth things and men's things and women's things and all those good things, I feel like there's something here almost every day. And there was a principle here in the book of Acts that at the time the church was birthed, that church is a priority, that church is a consistent thing in my life. That I'm dedicated to the house of God. That I want to be in the house of God. I I saw a stat, and this was from 2019. God help me when this stat comes out again. But the stat in 2019 said, this was pre-2020, said that the average Christian American goes to church one time a month. And I thought, if God's people only come one time a month, they're probably missing each other a lot. And that's not a church. That's like Walmart. I don't know anybody in Walmart. But this is my family. I ought to see them every week. I ought to know them. I ought to be in God's house with them. That's a church family. That's a body. And I, uh, I pray for this, this guy, and, and he's a good guy. I, uh, so I was out at a restaurant recently. A guy came up to me and said, Are you, you a, you're a pastor, aren't you? And I, I was like, yeah. Do I, I, know, do I know you? I, and I feel like I'm pretty good with names and faces, but this one had me off balance. And I was like, yeah, 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 I know, do I know? you? And he's like, Pastor Brian, right? Pastor Brian, Brian? And I was like, close. Close enough, Brian. He goes, I go to your church. I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) When? Well, it's been a little while. You know, he's like, uh, purpose church, right? Purpose church. He didn't really say that, but it would have been funny if he did say that. He did have my name half wrong. Ronald or something. Um, if you don't know the name of the church, it ain't your home. <laughs> You've got to know your address if that's your home. You've got to have the combination to your garage door if that's your home. And if this is your house, it's got to be, if this is God's house, this needs to be your home. I want to read this verse. It's a verse you know well. Hebrews 10 and 25 says not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day, the day of the Lord, the day of Jesus' return approaching. Now we read that verse a million times. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've probably seen it before. So I just wanted to read it in that living Bible because uh, it, it's actually the Passion Translation because I was looking for a translation that would just illuminate it a little more because somehow, you know how it is, sometimes if you read something so many times, you become dull to it. But I'm going to back up to the 24th verse where it says TPT. Card discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion doing beautiful works isn't this a great as expressions of love that's what the house of god is just find new ways to encourage somebody a- encourage them toward righteous things compassion things beautiful things loving things encourage them to... verse 25 and then it says this is not the time I feel like it's speaking to them in that day, but it's speaking to us today. This ain't the time to pull away. This isn't the time to neglect meeting together. As some have formed the habit... Notice you're either in the habit of meeting with God's people or you're not in the habit of meeting with God's people. You're either in the habit of doing it or in the habit of not doing it. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. You should join another life group, the Hebrew writer is saying. You, 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 should, you should serve in the kids' church and be in the first service. Or I don't know what the Hebrew writer would say. But we should do all the more and encourage even more, urge one another onward as we know, as we anticipate the day dawning. I want to just say this to you. You need the church, but the church needs you. There's a partnership there. Turn to somebody, say, I need you. Turn to somebody else, say, you need me. That wasn't very loud. Say, I need you. and <laughs> Say, and you need, you need me. And I just tell you that we need each other's gifts. We need each other's encouragement. I, I, I'm, I'm a father of two boys. I, I, I thank God for the people that dedicate their Sunday morning next door teaching our kids about Jesus and creating an atmosphere for them to connect to the presence of God. I need somebody that loves God and loves kids and isn't pulling their hair out when my kids pick their nose. Or My kids are the pastor's kids, y'all, you know? Vic. <laughs> uh, I'm picking on Vic. Vic's a great young man. His dad's a good pastor. But, but my kids are over there causing all kinds of stuff. But somebody over there loves them. You need somebody that can up here play the keys, play the drums, sing on key. I'll be honest. I came up, sang that last song with y'all, and I was hitting it too high. You guys got somewhere. I had to back off the mic for a second. I was way off key. You need somebody that can sing on key and set an atmosphere of praise. You need somebody that can that can dig into the Word and say, this is what God is speaking to us today. But I need somebody that will give an amen every once in a while so I know I'm not up here all by myself. And you need somebody on your row that says amen, that confirms the word in your life. What am I trying to say? There's a partnership. It's a body from the platform to the parking lot, to the booth, to the kids, to the Spanish translation. There is a partnership in God's house. And I just remind somebody today, we're better together. There's something powerful about saying that's my church. That's my community. Something powerful about bumping into somebody and saying, that's my brother. That's my sister. That's my kid's Sunday school teacher. That's the praise worshiper, at, at the praise worship leader at my, at my church. That's, that's God's house, and it's my home. It's my home. And, and I just tell you, um, I, uh, I was thinking about, David said, I was glad when it was time to go to the house of the Lord. And I, I know there's vacations. I know there's kids get sick and there's, there's family reunions and funerals and all those things that happen. But I just want us to get that in our spirit today. This is my home. And, and when I'm in town, I'm coming home. I, 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 we live in a beautiful area that people, they, they, they vacation to. And I feel like every week there's somebody that's on vacation and I'll introduce myself. You live in the area? No, we're from, you know, we're from Toledo. We're just on vacation. What a great way to live. They're on vacation, but they're looking to be in God's house with some of God's people. That's a great way to live. I teach this verse in Next Steps as we welcome people into our church family. Ephesians 2.19, um, it says, You are a member of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household. Oh, I love that verse so much. That's one of those verses you ought to write down, put on your dashboard or your mirror. And and I just want you to get that in your spirit. You have a family here. You belong in God's house. You have a place here. This place is better when you're here. You have a family and you are in God's house. You're in God's house. Somebody said, you know, can you be a Christian without a church family? And I, and I don't know, that's a good one. I heard Brandon just say no, and, and that's okay, Brandon. I don't know, I thought about it this way. You know what? A zebra's still a zebra if you don't have a herd. But he might get eaten by lions. <laughs> so you might as well be in the herd uh, with God's family and in God's house. I feel like it's good to have a uh, herd and uh, be in God's family. You know, um, second thing I want to tell you quickly uh, is that we ought to gather we, want to, we ought to gather. When we gather in this house, we ought to gather with an expectation. I wonder how many people drove here today saying, you know what? I'm going to the house of God, and in God's presence, anything can happen. I just want to remind you today that one moment in the house of God, God can do more than you could do in your lifetime. That's why David said one day in God's house is better than a thousand elsewhere. Because God could do something in one moment in his house that it would take me a thousand days, 10,000 days, all of my days. I couldn't do what God can do in one moment. And it said here in in Acts 2, 46, 47, I put B there, Carlins, with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. I just want that to always be promised, church. When you come here, you're expecting joy. When you come here, you're expecting generosity. When you come here, you're expecting praise. When you come here, you're expecting good people and good things to happen. And just saying, you know what? God is good. And he's going to meet with me there. And I just love getting to God's house. That's my home. And Promise Church has joy and goodness. And I just can't wait to get there. You know, I got to brag on the church a little bit. I love our church so much. You know, a year and a half ago, we took a step of faith. Because really for a few years, our church had just been absolutely packed. We'd, the ushers were always hustling and sweating and bringing in more chairs. We'd be all the way to the back wall, and it was just uncomfortable. And I knew that people would come and visit. They couldn't find a seat. Sometimes they'd just be standing in the back. It was super awkward. And, and then everything happened, and, and we decided we're going to go to two services. And it was it was a challenge because not only were we dealing with the height of COVID, but we were also... Uh, One of the things that's very challenging when you split your services is you you split your people up as well, right? And when you split your people up, you split your worshipers, you split your ameners, (laughs) you split your... uh, like I was saying, sometimes the worship leader can be on the front row. You split those folks up. Brandon's my worship leader on the front row. You know, just getting the worship going sometimes. Abraham's my worship leader. Javier, some of these guys. Nelson, I, some of y'all, I'm, I shouldn't do that. So A lot of y'all are worship leaders. Uh, but, but, but you split them up. And sometimes I'd go away, I'd be like, good Lord, I must have missed it in the nine. Or man, I must have missed it in the eleven. But what was happening is maybe all the worshipers went in the 11 or all the worshipers were in the 9 or all the aisle runners were in the 11 and, and, and all the manners were in the 9 or whatever. But here's where I want to brag on the church is the church. We got a full house here in the 11 and I just thank God for that. We got a full house here and we had a great crowd in the 9 as well. And God is blessing us, and people are getting back, and I'm and getting back with frequency. And that's why some of this is in my spirit. But, but as that's happened, so many people have stepped up. And they realize there's a vacuum of worship in the house today. And I'm going to step in and be the worshiper if nobody else is going to worship. And say, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I don't know if you're going to say amen, Because I want the favor, I want the blessing, so be it unto me. Oh, somebody ought to give God a praise right there. You ought to gather with expectation every time you come into the house of God. And say today, somebody's going to be saved. Somebody's going to receive a miracle. Somebody's going to be healed. Somebody's going to be baptized. Somebody, it's going to be there one day. And I can't wait to see it. And you come with that expectation. And be loud about it. (laughs) Psalm 26, 7, David says, proclaiming aloud... It doesn't say mentally ascend silently in the bottom of your heart. <laughs> I, I, that's not how it was translated. <laughs> Proclaim aloud your prayer. It ain't praise if you don't make it out loud. Telling of all your wonderful deeds. How awkward would it be if the worship team was up here singing and it was silent in the audience? We got to proclaim out loud, Lord, I love the house, verse 8, I love the house where you live. It's a place where your glory dwells. I love this house, not because it's 561, not because of the carpet or the paint or the stucco. I love this place because it's a place where God dwells. You know, um, I, uh, I, I, you with know, people of God, they gather, we gather and, and it becomes a sacred place, a special place. I got just another thing here to say. This is why David had this expectation. It's he realized that if God's there, anything can happen. If God's people are there, anything can happen. And that's why he had that expectation that better is one day there than anywhere else. Jesus raised expectation for what can happen when his people come together. He said in Matthew eighteen eighteen, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Matthew 18, 18, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 19, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for it, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Now Jesus is not telling you you can pray alone. You ought to pray alone sometimes. You ought to get in your prayer closet. He's not saying that. But what he is saying is there's a special grace, a special favor, a special anointing when God's people come together and pray in agreement. You ought to pray on your own. You ought to sing and worship in your truck do all that stuff, but there's something powerful when you come into this altar and say, Javier, Abraham, I need some brothers to put their hand on my shoulder because I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my business. I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for a blessing. I'm praying for a chain to break. I'm praying for a breakthrough. And Jesus said, there's a special anointing on that prayer a special anointing on that prayer. You know, there's a law of first mention that theologians talk about basically that the first time something is mentioned in the Bible that it's foundational. Now, I would not make a gospel out of this. All of the Bible is inspired and profitable for reproof and teaching and doctrine. But I have found that to be a good rule of thumb that the first time something is mentioned in the Bible, whether it's prayer or worship or salvation or whatever, that it's a foundational text. And the first time the church gathered together and God called it a place where he lived or where he dwelt was Exodus 25. How many know the Bible tells us that Israel is an example for the church? For good and for bad, I don't have to make the same mistakes they made. But but what happened at this point is God's people before Exodus 25 they had come out of Egypt. That's a sign of the church coming out of sin, coming out of bondage, out of out of traps, and 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 walking with God. And as they they crossed through the Red Sea, that's a, a type of baptism. And and as they were wandering in the wilderness, it's a journey of sanctification. And and as they're led by the pillar by day and the the cloud by day and the pillar at night, it's a sign of being led by the Holy Spirit and that manna is falling every day. It's a type of the word of God in their life. And as they have all those things, now God begins to establish a meeting place in Exodus 25, verse number eight and nine. He says, there have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Now it was the tent because they were still Still moving, But it was a place where God dwelt, and he said, "...make this tabernacle and all of its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you." I want to tell you today that the house of God is a place where God dwells and raise expectation today because if God is there, anything can happen. I love the passage where Jesus goes to his hometown and it said he could not do many miracles there because the peoples did not raise their expectation. They said it's just Joseph's boy. He's just a carpenter's son. But I got to tell you, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, whether he's in Jerusalem, Samaria, Bethlehem, don't matter where he's at. Jesus is in the house. Raise expectation. Jesus is in the house. And anything can happen. I'm preaching too long today. Music come. I got to close. Got to close. I asked the first church, how long did I, the first service, how long did I preach? Nobody answered me, but I knew it was too long. Come back next week. It'll be a mini, (laughs) mini sermon. You know, the third thing here is is, is I had to get my English right on this, and I didn't on the screen. Be a gatherer and a bringer. Be a gatherer and a bringer. Hang with me for just a minute because I'm about to close. Be a gatherer and a bringer. Is my English right on that? Gatherer and a bringer? Those are both words, right? Okay, I'm seeing some nods, yes. Do I have an English teacher in the house? Where's Conrad at? Thank you. Gatherer and a bringer. So I'm gathering here, but I'm not gathering here just to keep it all to myself. I want to be a bringer. It said in verse 47 that because, really because of the gathering and all the things that they were doing, God began, see, he's the one that adds. We can gather, we can worship, we can pray, we can can be generous, we can do all those things. But it's the Lord that adds those who are being saved. And and this is on my heart today just to challenge the church. that I don't want to just be a gatherer where I just sit on the pew and soak it all up for myself. I don't want to be a gatherer that just, yeah, it was a good message, was a good song, and I got to see my friends, and we went out to eat, and... but I want to be a gatherer, and I also want to be a bringer, because there's people in our world who are hurting, who are lost, who are addicted, who are depressed, who are suicidal who have marriages falling apart, who have children who are wayward, who are, are hurting, they're in poverty, they're in sickness, they're, they're struggling, they're, they're trapped by sin, they're in condemnation, they've gone through tragedy, they are weeping and crying themselves to sleep. They are drinking themselves to sleep. They are constantly hurting. They are constantly in pain. They've walked through a dark time. They're living in hard times. They They are hurting. They are crying. They are in pain. They are suffering. And sometimes the church forgets that we have the answer, that we know where to bring them, that we can bring them into the presence of God that I know the He, I know where hope is. I know where healing is. I know where salvation is. I know the chain breaker. I know the deliverer. Jesus and sometimes the church forgets I have no the answer you're hurting you're sick you're addicted you're bound but I know the answer and I can bring you to his house you see I can bring them into his presence I can bring them to the feet of Jesus I can bring him to his house. If you're standing, say stand, and I'm going to close quick, but I just want to read this real quick. It said in Luke chapter 5 that some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they tried to take him to the house to lay him before Jesus. Jesus was in this house. And when they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd, they go up on the roof and they lower him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he didn't see the young man's faith. He didn't see the man on the cot's faith. He didn't see the paralyzed man's faith. He didn't say... Seeing the young man's faith, Jesus said to the man, it says he saw the friend's faith. And when he saw the friend's faith, he didn't immediately say, you're healed. He said, you're saved. He said, your sin is forgiven. You being lame isn't the biggest problem. Your sin is the biggest problem. And your sin is... with me today, I just wonder if the church would get that attitude. I don't know if that guy came to church kicking and screaming. I don't know if he came to the house where Jesus was kind of embarrassed, but he had friends that wouldn't be turned away. They tried to come in the door. There's no way to get in. They tried to get in the window. There's no way to get in. And so they go to the roof. And say, if I've got to rip off ceiling tiles, if I've got to rip off roofing tiles, if we got to cut through the plywood, we're going to get him in front of chief. And, and, and here's what I, here's what I want to close with. It's really back to that first point in a sense. When you make God's house your home, you are invested. When you bring your faith When you bring your friends, and you even bring your finances, now you're invested in everything that happens in this house. Remember I said, if if you're opposing the church, you're on the side of the gates of hell. But if you're building the church, you're on the side of Jesus. And so when you bring friends to the house you're invested in this house. When you bring your faith to this house, you're invested in this house. Even when you bring your finances or your worship or whatever, you're invested in this house. What I want to bring out to you today is that when the church wins, you win. When Jesus wins, you win. When somebody is baptized as they were a couple weeks ago, you win. You were a part of that investment. You invest in the house that they found salvation in when when the kids ministry has this this revival this week and it's a win and kids receive salvation and, and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit you won you were a part of that win because you were invested in God's house when the Spanish translated this ministry is booming every week I see new people wearing the headphones, you're invested in that you're invested in what God is doing. When we see the house full like this two times on a Sunday, you're invested in that. I just want to tell you, you're on the Lord's side. You are a part of every win that happens in this house. Jesus said that that your that your um, heart will follow your treasure. Now that's weird because I would think it'd be the other way. I would think that where my heart was, I'd send my treasure. But it actually says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when you invest in this house, you invest your heart, you invest your treasure, you bring your faith, your friends, your heart is here. And this place becomes your home. And I struggled with how to close this all week, but I just feel like the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit is going to close this out for us. I remember we had a president, John F. Kennedy, that said, don't ask what you can do for what the country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And I just had that in my spirit this morning. Don't ask necessarily what the church can do for you, but what can you do for the church? What can you do for God's people? And so today, I just wonder if the altar could be, God, not what you can do in me, but God, what can you do through me? Not what you can do in me, but God, what can you do through me? I just want to pray that prayer. I'm going to just let the worship team come. I'm going to open this altar, and I'm just going to ask you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit today. Jesus, we just call on your name in this moment, Lord. I know that you're speaking a custom-made word to each and every one of us, Lord. And I just tried to preach my heart today. And God, I just pray that you bless this word as it goes forth and deposits in in every heart and every mind in this house today, God. And I just pray, Lord, what can you do through me, God? If you can get it to me, you can get it through me. And God, if you put it in me, I pray that, Lord Jesus, you'd get it out of me, God. And I just pray it in this house today. How many would just come forward today and just say, Lord, if you could use me, do it. If you can get something through me, God, do it. Lord, if you need to make me and shape me, God, just do it. I wonder how many come to the altar this morning and just allow God to move on up once again thank you so much for listening share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe see you next time